Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. Here we are back for another week of Don't Box Me In. I am your host, Lana Reed. My guest today is the founder of the Great Dad Project, and I'm going to pull some statistics statistics right from his website to share the importance of his work. Absent relationships between fathers and children are linked to 63% of youth suicides, 71% of pregnant teenagers, 71% of all high school dropouts, 75% of all adolescents in chemical abuse centers, and 85% of all youths now sitting in prison. Keith Zafrin is doing his part and more to change these numbers and to show fathers how to have a more enriched and fulfilling relationship with their children, which in turn brings out the best in the child. Keith is the author of the book, How to Be a Great Dad, No Matter What Kind of Father You Had, And through his work as a fatherhood trainer and coach, he teaches men from all walks of life how to become effective dads. It is with pleasure that I welcome Keith to the show today. Keith, welcome to Don't Box Me In. So glad to have you. So glad to be here, Lana. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, so Keith, I was browsing around your website, and I see you and I have something in common. Uh, we're both products of the UC University system. You went to UC Berkeley, and I went to UCLA. Um, did you know back in college that working with fathers was going to be your calling? <laughs> no, I sure didn't. Uh, <laughs> no, I sure didn't. That happened uh, many years after I became a father, and particularly after the six years I spent working in the Texas Department of criminal justice with incarcerated men, part of the work I did with them was teaching them to become good dads, even while still in prison, and okay. helping them work out the psychological wounding that had occurred in almost every one of their lives in relationship with their fathers. Okay. So you say you started doing this work um, when you were in Texas. How, how did the segue happen? How did you get from Berkeley to Texas and, and start doing this work? Well, while I was uh, after Berkeley, I actually became a pastor, worked in uh, Christian churches, and then later in my ministry career, started a church in the San Jose area for younger people, non-church people, and in that congregation, there was a young couple who also had graduated from Berkeley, uh, who the uh, the wife, the, the woman of the pair there, she had this vision to start this organization called the Prison Entrepreneurship Program. She okay. had a business background. She worked for venture capitalists. She graduated from business from Berkeley. And she wanted to bring her business training into prison to deal with the recidivism rate, these men um, getting released from prison and ending up right back in prison, True. primarily because they can't find a place to live. They can't get a job. They have no way to support themselves, and they end up right back in the criminal lifestyle they had before they went in. So part yeah. of her dream was to teach these guys business skills, to teach them how to develop their own business concepts and how to, therefore, get out, become entrepreneurs, start their own businesses, and have a real life outside of prison. But awesome. that just teaching them business skills would not be enough, that she also wanted to change their character to help them develop as men. And so she brought me in to do some of that work with the men, working with them, teaching them uh, character, transformation, faith, and this healing. That mm-hmm. because so many of these men had these wounded relationships with their own fathers. So many of their mm-hmm. own fathers had been incarcerated. They had followed in their footsteps or they had been told that they never amount to nothing, that they were, they were worth nothing. Many of them had been abandoned by their dads. Uh, they had, most of them had been involved in gangs, seeking for that family experience they never had at home. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of work that needed to be done in terms of healing and then teaching them to reconnect with their own children, most of whom they had abandoned either before their incarceration or as a result of it. Wow. Wow, amazing stuff. You know, and I really don't think that... Um, 
society realizes a lot of the weight that the prison system puts on an individual and what they have to deal with in so many facets of their life. And you just touched on, you know, uh, a few of the elements. And I want to I also want to mention right now that not only do you work with fathers in the prison system, but you work with fathers all across the board. And um, one of the things I'm curious about, because you have been at this for many, many years um, and you mentioned some of this with the fathers in the prison system. What what are the issues that you see fathers struggling with um, and, and that brings you into the picture? Well, so many uh, so many of us grew up in relationships with our own dads where we just didn't get enough. Okay. You know, very very few of us men. <laughs> <laughs> really feel like uh, the very few guys that I talk to who say they had fantastic relationships with their dads, their dads taught them all they needed to know, modeled what they needed for them. You know, some of us had dads who were faithful in terms of providing, and lots of mm-hmm. our dads thought that's what love was, like that their role was to provide financially and that mom was going to take care of all the all the nurturing and everything else that needed to happen at home. But so much of child development and psychology today has taught us that kids need so much more than that, both from mother and father, that no single parent is able to give everything. True, uh, true. And, you know, what happens in so many of our lives, particularly for us men, is that when we don't get what we need from our dads, when, we don't, when we're not raised to believe in ourselves, that we're not helped to transition from boyhood to manhood, mm. you know, when that... that that blessing or that transition or that um, that rite of passage is not uh, guided, mentored, mm-hmm. honored, acknowledged. So many of us really end up like adolescent boys in grown men's bodies. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I, I was there for years. I, I, I know that situation well. <laughs> and, you know, I call it, you know, being affirmation starved. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, I, and I actually saw an interview recently of a 65-year-old man who was asked the question, what do you wish your father had said to you? Mm-hmm. And at 65 years old, this man teared up, looked right into the camera and said, I wish my dad had told me he was proud of me. Mm-hmm. 65. And that, wow. that wound, that pain is still raw enough to bring tears to his eyes. Wow. And there you know, just aren't enough of us men who heard that from our dads, who felt that from our dads, you know, who who we felt like we didn't have to prove anything, that he was already proud of us, he loved us, he had our back, he was behind us, he was cheering us on. So many of us have not got that from our dads, and what I see happening is that many of us men are out seeking that, searching for it, desperately mm-hmm. longing. We don't even know it consciously, but what we're really subconsciously longing for is the blessing or the affirmation from our Father that says we're enough, Mm -hmm. just as we are. We're good. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's so many dynamics in in society with the whole male image that um, maybe in previous generations have trained fathers, you know, that they're not supposed to provide emotional nurturing to their children, which in itself is, is right. dysfunctional and creates these problems. You know, you, you don't, um, I can remember, um, even with my father, we've transitioned now into a better relationship, but growing up, you know, I don't, I think it was hard for my father to like, you know, hug, or you know, or show yeah. ex- affection. That didn't mean he didn't love me, but it was just the generation that he came from. Those things were yeah. kind of inappropriate for a man, you know, to do. And, um, you know, there, there, there's some consequences to that when when men are trained or taught that, you know, we don't have to provide the emotional part to our child's upbringing. Um, exactly. You know, so I think that, you know, these are valid points that you bring in and hopefully people will start to transition and, and understand, you know, the long lasting uh, generational effects they have when fathers are not allowed to you know, express themselves fully in their full capability. So I think that's really cool stuff, cool stuff. Now, we're, talk- we're talking about fathers here, and, you know, because I am a mother, um, what, what, can women, what can women do to help and assist, you know, because, you know, we can either hurt or, or help in a man's 
um, development and becoming a good father. What kind of tools and tricks can the, the mothers play in assisting a, a father? Well, there are some really, really cool things and power uh, that a woman has to help her man be a better dad. Is that what you're talking about? Are you talking yes. about being a better mom yourself or how to help your man? How to help your man become a better father. Okay. Um, because there are some, uh, if, you, if you go to what I was just saying about man being mm-hmm. affirmation starved, yes, that's the very first place to begin. Because there are so many, so many of us men who just don't know what to do. You know, one of the, one of the things that I do when I talk to women about helping their men be better dads is that I try to expose to them how so many of us men are affirmation starved, how we just didn't get enough, what I was just saying. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that when, when a man is seeking, searching, longing for that affirmation, and he senses critique, negativity, mm-hmm. criticism, um, he just has this internal reaction to run away from that and to move toward any place he he has where he's getting what he's starved for. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why I find so many executives, men in business, who spend so much or an inordinate amount of time at work mm-hmm. rather than family. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it this way, Lana, I don't know if you had this experience growing up. If you took care of younger siblings or you babysat um, mm-hmm. maybe other other children, in our culture, a lot of times women uh, will have experiences where they are already being trained or they're already gathering some experience of caring for little kids, babies. True, yes. Kids. You know, it's just, and some of that is natural, I think, inherent in the woman's makeup, but some of it is cultural, too. They just have a lot more opportunity when they're young to take care of children. So it becomes part of their experience. Most mm. of us guys never have that experience. Mm. You know, I, I never babysat. <laughs> I didn't take care of any younger siblings. You know, I, you know, honestly, I don't think I ever held a baby oh, until okay. I held my own. I certainly wow. never burped a baby or changed a baby's <laughs> diaper. Like I, those were absolute foreign experiences for me when I first became a father at 37 years old. Oh wow! You know, yeah. So. What I'm saying is most of us guys are brand new at this. We have no experience, no training, no background, and understandably, we're not very good at it. <laughs> and it's real easy for uh, our partners or our wives to take just take over. You know, like yeah. if you know you, if you want it done right, do it yourself. Like that yeah. guy doesn't know women. Look at the way he's holding that baby. Come on, <laughs> give me that thing. You know? Give me that thing. I gotta protect that save its life, you know? Um, I just spent nine months carrying this thing and you're gonna break it. Give me that thing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but here's the point. For a man who is affirmation star, mm-hmm. if he gets that kind of critique, he's gonna hand it over because he doesn't want to do anything that he's not good at. He already doesn't have a, a great esteem of himself. He doesn't want to be criticized. So rather than venturing into the unknown, and making mistakes, and possibly those mistakes being pointed out, he's going to be willing probably to hand that baby over, never be involved in that child care, and instead go to where he's getting affirmation. That may mm-hmm. be at work. That may be in a basketball league. That may be at the golf course. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be somewhere where he has been trained. He went to school for this stuff. Mm-hmm. He's played sports all his life. Whatever it is, he's been trained, and he's getting that affirmation at work. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's being told what a good job he did. Maybe he's getting a raise. Maybe he's getting a promotion. You know, he's looking at that boss, if it's, if it's a man in particular, and without knowing it, he may be projecting his need for dad's blessing onto that boss. And so he's willing to work those extra hours. He's willing to work at night or take extra trips or whatever it is. But if he's getting those kudos at work and he's not being praised at home, Guess where that man's going to want to spend more of his time? More so at work. More so at work. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's good information for you know a lot of us to understand because you know you understand you, 
you see the the common image of you know why is dad always in the garage well that's his space his comfort zone that's where he feels competent and capable and he exactly. he can he can see the fruits of his labor you know so you know uh-huh. good points for us to all understand well keith right now we're going to take our sure. first break of the day stay stay with me we'll talk more right after this Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Today I'm with Keith Zaffron, author of How to Be a Great Dad, No Matter What Kind of Father You Had. Before the break, we were talking about why we often see dads tinkering around in the garage and we don't understand why he spends so much uh, time out there. And Keith was telling us that a part of it has to do with affirmation. And that is one of the three core uh, principles or philosophies that you you teach to um, dads. Is that correct? It, it is, Lana, and we can move on to that if you feel like that's a good time to do that. We also, there are those three core fathering practices I teach men, and there are five things that I teach women on how to help their men be better dads. So whichever oh. way you'd like to go, oh, we're I- just kind of going down that track, and then we took that break. So whichever you'd like to do. Oh, I'd like to do the five um, things that to, could help mother because okay. I think it's, it's it's a whole teamwork process. So I think we all need Boy. to understand how we play a role in this. So if we can have the five points that women can do, that would be great. Yeah, I'll just I'll give you those quickly, and then if listeners want to go to my website, I wrote a blog post about these and can expand on it there. Here are the five things I I teach women to do for their men to help those guys be better dads. And the first one is to just trust him with your children. Mm-hmm. trust them with your children. It's based on what we were just saying. Sometimes it's just easier for the mom to say, no, I'll take this. Like, I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, you know, that man feels criticized. He feels like, you you don't think I can do this, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to, and he checks out. But if you can trust him and just trust that those kids are going to be alive when you get home, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, in other words, I mean, really trust him. Hand the, hand the child care over to him. Go out with your girlfriend. Go do something for the evening or, you know, let him do it. And he, he's not going to do it your way. He may not do it right, but mostly those kids are going to survive. They're going to be okay. And what happens is that bond now begins to grow between father and child. And mm-hmm. dad now begins to feel more invested in that relationship because he's enjoying it. And he's seeing how much that child needs and loves him. Mm, Second true. thing. Second thing is to praise every effort to nurture. Okay. Praise every effort to nurture. We men desperately need praise because we're affirmation stars. <laughs> when we're praised for our efforts, you know what happens is that we want to do more of whatever it is we're being praised for. Mm-hmm. You know, now I have to admit it's a little bit like Pavlov's research on dogs, <laughs> but you know, if the shoe fits well, you know the rest of the line, right? There you go. But it's yeah, true. It really yeah. is true. We love to please and receive praise for doing so. So when our women praise us for what often feel like our stumbling attempts to nurture our kids, we just <laughs> light up. And we usually <laughs> want to try it again. You know? Mm-hmm. So to hear such words as like, you know, honey, when you scooped up Blake up after that fall he had on his bike, did you notice how quickly he, he relaxed in your arms? And how safe he felt with you. Oh, you're <laughs> such a great dad. You know? Or if I, what? Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I, you know, I'm just thinking about my own personal uh, experience. I remember when my daughter was small, you know, and my late husband, he was trying to help out. So, you know, he he did her hair for me so I didn't have to do it. Uh-huh. So I came I came out and I looked at my daughter and she just looked like a total mess. Like hair was everywhere. Right. You know, he's standing, he, he's standing there like, you know, look, honey, I helped you out. And I'm just like, OK, thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, yeah. and, you know, he was proud of himself. But, you know, in the back of my mind, of course, I'm like, oh, my gosh. But, uh, you know, I. <laughs> I, I right, appreciate the effort. So you know, but and had he talked you said that. that. Had you said what? Had you expressed what you were thinking? That might have been the last time. He ever I know, right? Right. Right. No help from him anymore. Right. Right. But yeah. See, so I can I can fully see, relate. I can fully relate, and yeah. I truly believe that praise is so important, especially if you want to repeat repeat and improve any behavior. You know, so I think that is so yeah. important. Yeah. So you know, to your 
female listeners, I just say every time you see your man make an effort to nurture your children, praise mm-hmm. him for it. Mm-hmm. And then watch him grow right before your eyes to become a better, more engaged, and loving dad. I mean, it mm-hmm. really works. The third thing is to make home a place that he wants to be. Oh, very important, very important. Yeah. And what I mean by that is just what we were saying earlier before the break about when men are getting praised at mm-hmm. work, they want to be there. When men come home, you know, like first thing, like make it a big deal. Dad walks in the house. If, you know, the mom's already home, let's say, if she's not working or if she's working and gets home first, whatever it is, just to make it a deal. Like, hey, dad's home. You know, and that's mm-hmm. why, you know, you're, you're late again. You know, or first thing he gets is this negativity. Then that's not a place he's going to want to be. And even if he is late, like, you know, the idea is to welcome him, create a place that he's going to want to be, and he's going to engage more. He really is going to engage more. You end up getting what you want by being a little more strategic. That makes sense? Yeah, it makes sense. You know, and I think that's an issue that women just by nature we might struggle with because your instinct is to as soon as you see your significant other walk through the door is like, oh, you know, the, the bill came today. We don't have any milk, right. you know, that, you know, so it's, it's instinctive to do that, but you have to train yourself to say, let me give him some, some welcome exactly. home time. We are happy to have you here. Let's all do the family bonding. And later after all of that is done, these are the, the household issues that we need to attend to exactly. for the day. Beautifully put. Beautiful. It's Mm -hmm. helping create that transition where Mm -hmm. you really feel he's home and he's welcomed, he's wanted. That's the key. And people are glad that he's there. That's true. Okay? The fourth thing is to just affirm him as a father. Affirm him as a father. I mean, this should make perfect sense by now after all we've been saying, but imagine (laughs) what your man would feel if you said something like, oh, honey, you're such a great dad. You know, yeah. I feel lucky to, I feel lucky, uh, to have married a man who gives so much to our children and our children are blessed beyond belief to have you as their dad. Now again, mm-hmm. it doesn't even have to all be true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fully true. But yeah. you may be speaking of the vision that you see in the yeah. future even more maybe than the man you see in the moment, but that's okay. Really, yeah. it's great. Speak us into reality. Women have immense power. Speak into existence. Speak into existence. Speak it into existence. Absolutely. You can create the man you want by affirming what you believe he can become. And it works. Trust me. In fact, (laughs) it works both ways. You know, if you criticize and belittle, you'll actually create the man you wish to divorce. Mm. (laughs) Praise and affirm, and you'll empower the man that you become uh, to become the partner and the father that he longs to be. And you wish he'd become. All right. All right. The last one, Glenna, is just this. Dream with him about Mm. new and creative fathering experiences. Okay. You know, I hate to say it, but a lot of us guys just don't spend much time thinking about what we can do as dads. We spend most of our time trying to solve problems at work. Mm -hmm. And then when we get home, we kind of feel like it's our time to relax. Okay. And a lot of us don't spend time thinking, okay, what could I do with my kids this weekend? Like, what would they enjoy? And they, we don't think about the differences in all their character very often and special experiences or planning birthday getaways. or A lot of that just doesn't come. You know, a lot of us dads, we may be super engaged at work, but when we walk through that home door, it's like we check into autopilot or something. <laughs> we're, we're in wait and react mode. And if our partners, our wives, can help us dream some, like when we're alone, maybe we're lying in bed or we're talking at night after the kids are down. And we, you know, many of us, if you just said something like, hey, have you thought about taking Johnny to a pro baseball game, just the Mm -hmm. two of you? You know, Mm -hmm. or I I think Susie would just love to go horseback riding with you for her birthday. Mm. That may have never crossed my mind. But as soon as I hear that, I think, oh, yeah, I could do that. I could do that. Yeah. You know, and then I kind of think it's my idea. And I, you know, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty good dad. I'm so amazing. Look what I thought of. You know, yeah. but I think, I think also though, I mean, some of it is just, and I go back to this all the time, just the dynamics of parenting. You know, mothers just so get, get so caught up in doing, 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 making it happen, making it happen, that we take some of the power from men to even dream these kind of things because we're automatically in, 
you know, automatic pilot mode. Like, okay, Saturday we're going to get up and we're going to take little Susie to, you know, cheerleading practice. Then little Johnny has a soccer game. And we never think to say, you know what, uh, Keith, why don't you do this this weekend? You know, why don't you? Because we just automatically bear that that kind of creativity into the parenting process. So, you know, I think a lot of this is, you know, like with you doing, making people great dads. I think also some of it is just making people great parents and understanding the working relationship between the two. Yeah, that's so good. Cool. You know, if your female listeners want to read more on this, they could go to my website, which is simply www.thegreatdadsproject.org, thegreatdadsproject.org, and go to my blogs. And if you search for a blog called Five Ways Women okay. Can Empower Their Men, Okay, and just real quick before we take the last, the second, I'm sorry, last second break. You said trust, praise, make home a place um, that some um, a man wants to come home to. Affirmation, and I think we have one more, real quick, right? Yeah, trust him with your children. Two, praise every effort to nurture. Three, make home a place he wants to be. Four, affirm him as a father. And five, dream with him about new and creative fathering experiences. Cool stuff. All right. So now we have the five mothers. That's your homework for the week here. And with that, we're going to take, <laughs> we're going to take our second break of the day. Keith, stay tuned. I'll stick with me. We'll be right back right after this. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Welcome back. I am with Keith Zafrin today, the fatherhood trainer for the Prison Entrepreneurship Program, as well as the Defy Ventures Program in New York. Did I say that right, Defy? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And before the break, we were talking about five uh, tricks, tips, tools that mothers could use to make their man a better father. And I, I do want to mention that you do offer coaching sessions and great day workshops um, and I think this is very important because we have lessons and training for how to drive a car, you know, how to become a doctor or whatever. But with the whole parenting thing, they just kind of throw you in it and say, you know, hey, make the best of it. So um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's <laughs> I think it's wonderful that, you know, there are some classes out there for those who, you know, are, are proactive and, and, and go out there and seek these kinds of things. But what you offer, um, your workshops, you teach these three core practices that we kind of mentioned. One of them is affirmation. Um, could you explain to us the other two? Yeah. Um, in fact, I'll just cover that one. It's a little different, I think, in affirming children than I've been okay. talking about women affirming men. Okay. But I think about these three core fathering practices as kind of like the three legs of a stool. Um, okay. they, they equally bear the weight um, okay. that is put upon it. And I think all three of these are really essential fathering skills that dads, all dads can master and all kids just just tremendously need. Okay. The first one, as you mentioned, is affirmation, which simply refers to the verbal or written words of specific praise for our children regarding their character, their decision-making, um, maybe their treatment of others, more so, I hope, than their appearance or their achievement or their performance. To affirm means to declare something to be true. So when you affirm your children, you declare what is true about them and for them. You declare what is true about their character and their potential. Okay. And your words as a dad, it's true for moms too, but I, you know, obviously my great dad's project, I work with dads. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your words as a dad, verbal or written expressions of your high view of your children then actually becomes the basis of their self-awareness and their growing identity as they get older. So your regular affirmation can actually neutralize the negative messages that the media and their peer group may be mm-hmm. speaking to them. So affirmation means stating our belief about what is true in and about our children and encouraging what we hope to be true as they grow. You know, it's telling our kids, I am so proud of who you're becoming. You know, just today mm-hmm. I was, I had, uh, my boys are on spring break, and so they're with me this week, and um, my youngest is 12 years old, 
mm-hmm. and he engaged his almost 16-year-old brother in a card game, a, a <laughs> board and card game this morning. And my older son really doesn't like playing those very much. And my younger son was teaching him this brand new game. He had never, my older son had played it before. And uh, it was so cool. And I just looked over and I said, Kai, that's my 12-year-old, uh-huh. I said, you are such a good teacher. Oh. Like, I, I'm listening to you explain this game to JD, and I'm amazed at how articulate you are and how you're explaining every detail, and you're just such a good teacher. Oh. You know, and now, of course, that's fun to hear on one level, but on a much deeper level, I know what that's doing. Yeah, the long-term effects of that, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I'm saying to him, without even using the words, if you decide that you want to be a teacher in some way in your future, you can do it because you have all the tools at 12. Mm-hmm. And then I look over at my 16-year-old and I said, J.D., I'm just, it makes me so happy as a dad to see you playing like this with Kai. I know this isn't something you normally would do. <laughs> and, I, and I know that you're, you're doing this just to be with your brother, and it makes me so happy. Wow. I mean, you know, like I, I said, to... I, those those little nuggets. I don't think that parents really understand the the powerful effect of their words on on yeah. their child. I mean, it's yeah. just wow. It is powerful, and of course, it goes both ways. You know, the negative, the critique, mm-hmm. the criticism, the yelling, uh, the, the judgment. You know, it all it all lands. And so, if I can help more dads learn how to affirm their kids, whether it's verbally or in writing. I teach mm-hmm. dads in my workshops how to write notes, how to write letters of affirmation. You can do it in emails and texts, you know, mm-hmm. take advantage of the technology. But just constantly building our children up because the point is that affirmation helps our kids know that they are smart and capable and able to do whatever they set their good minds on. Good it gives stuff. them that identity. Good stuff. Now, you mentioned when we, you were giving the example of your sons and the affirmation, you also mentioned that, you know, there's there's negative as well as the good to stuff that we do as mothers and fathers. Um, yes. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to break the cycles. And there are people out there, we just have to admit this, that, that are saying to themselves as fathers, you know, my dad did this, my grandfather did this, and look at me, I turned out fine. Um, wh- what do you say to those types of people? I mean, they really don't think there's anything damaging about how they were raised or the effect that it had on them. Yeah, you know, we, uh, I actually just did a radio interview a couple of days ago and the, the host actually said that to me. Oh, okay. Um, and so we talked about what I turned out fine really means. <laughs> and, you know, are we talking about fine like I'm not in prison? Yeah. Like fine, I'm surviving? <laughs> like fine, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, a criminal, like, what does it fine mean? Does it mean that I'm I'm happy and yeah. successful, that I feel great about myself, that I'm so full that I'm mm-hmm. able to give freely to others, that I'm okay. able to set myself aside and not be selfish and put others first? And what does fine mean? Mm-hmm. You know, and I tried to is- tell him that let's not isolate um, these huge negative consequences and say that as long as we don't have those, then, then we're doing okay. Because I don't, my goal as a dad is not to raise kids who are fine. <laughs> okay. You know, I want to raise kids who are thriving. Okay. Who are truly capable of giving something big back to this world. I remember when I first started studying the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., mm-hmm. I was, I was blown away. I had no idea the role that Daddy King is, uh, you know, Martin, Martin Sr. played in his life. You just don't really hear about that growing up in school mm. or some of the documentaries. But when I started studying his life, I was so impacted by the role that his dad played in his life, mm-hmm. shaping his character and building his faith and helping him believe what is okay and what is not and how to care and lead other people. It was mm-hmm. beautiful. And I remember my boys were very young. I have three sons, very young at that time. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, making a commitment to myself that I, I, well, this is really how it happened, Lana. I remember I was so blown away mm-hmm. by Dr. King. 
you know, I, but I remember having this tremendous feeling of inadequacy because of my own broken relationship with my dad, years and years and years of counseling and trying to work through all the issues that were resulted in my own life. And I remember reading Dr. King's life and thinking, you know what? I, I could never be a Dr. King. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't have, I don't think I have the strength, the fortitude, the character. When I read about what that man went through and what he mm-hmm. endured and how he stayed true to his mission and mm-hmm. his calling, I just thought, you know, I could never be a Dr. King, but I might be able to raise three of them. No, oh, okay. You know, I might be able to give my boys the kind of gift that Daddy King gave to Martin, Martin Love Jr. It. And I remember making that commitment saying, I do not want to raise boys who just get by and are fine, that don't end up on drugs and in prison and, okay, I did my job. I want to raise men, you know, who are men of character and strength and compassion and are able to make a contribution to this world beyond themselves. True. You know, and I think that's that's the the goal um, that we all hope for. We miss the mark sometimes, but you want to raise, (laughs) you want to, you want to raise a child who, who makes some sort of impact on this world, be it the best janitor in the world or the best teacher or, you know, I mean anything, but you want some to create, uh, to grow and nurture an individual who makes some sort of positive contribution into this world. And I, I just, I mean, that's, that's just phenomenal. Um, you know, which which makes me wonder. You you've talked about your relationship with your father, and the the, the issues there. Um, with all of the work that you do, uh, is there a point where it's too late, or or can a father of like a twenty year old say, you know what, I just screwed this whole thing up, but I want to try to fix this? Can we still yeah. do that? We absolutely can. You know, one of the things I write in the book is a section called It's Never Too Late. Mm-hmm. Er- earlier in this um, interview, I mentioned that 65-year-old man with tears mm-hmm. in his eyes saying, I wish my father was still, you know, had said he was proud of me. And I can imagine that. I know I was 38 years old when I asked my dad to be my dad. I mean, it's a longer mm-hmm. story, but, mm-hmm. you know, so at 30, at 38 years old, had my dad at that point been able, if he had had his own growth and his own healing, had he been able to say to me, you know, God, I have just blown it, but <laughs> from, this, from this point forward, I want to be your dad. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. I mean, I can feel it right now. I mean, of course, mm-hmm. I would have welcomed that. I would have said, okay, then let's wipe, let's just forgive each other. Let's let the past be past. And let's move forward. And I think, you know, if all of us are honest, we'd all say the same thing. We never grow out of wanting our dads, wanting his love, his approval, his attention. It's never too late. And I I teach that. I I had a 65-year-old man in in my last workshop, and I was just able to say to him, you know, it's never, never, never too late. Go back to your children. Just just be honest about whatever it is you need to. And um, there was another man, Skip, whose son is grown. If I think his son is older than 30. I don't remember exactly. But he attended one of my workshops, and afterwards he just wrote me this little note. He says, I cannot express how much I got out of your seminar. I've learned it is never too late to be a great dad. You've helped me to see the path. What you are doing is so important, and you're a great teacher. Okay. So it's, cool. it's never too late. Never, never, never too late. No matter what mistakes you've made, you know, be honest, admit where you've been wrong, and then commit to a new path. And your kids, you know, it may not be, it may not be an instantaneous embrace because they're, depending on what the wounding has been, there may be yes. some pain that needs to be worked through. But I can, I can tell you, we, we children, no matter how old we are, <laughs> we, ne- we never stop wanting our dad's love okay. and attention and pride. Good stuff. Good stuff. You know, because I think, you know, it, it might be um, instinctive to just, you know, kind of wash your hands of, oh, well, it, it is what it is. And, you know, I'm just going to yeah. let it be. And I I broke it. It's not repairable. And, you know, but you know, to understand that you can make some small baby steps to better the picture that you've created. So 
That's yeah. cool. You know, I, a quick question before we take our, our last break of the day, and um, hopefully we can get this out. Um, we're, we're talking about mothers and make, making great dads, um, but there's a dynamic that exists today where a lot of times we see households where people are co-parenting, and you might have fathers in homes that are trying to be the best dad they can be to children that are not their own. Are the dynamics for yeah. becoming a great father different in these situations or no? Great. Excellent question. I love your word choice too, Lana. The dynamics <laughs> can be a little different, but the core practices are exactly the same. Okay. So the okay. skills that I'm teaching dads, whether they are biological dads, adopted dads, um, blended family dads. You know, one of the guys I'm coaching right now has two biological children and two adopted children. So the dynamics, you know, how he needs to work with them can be a little different, but the skills are identical and transferable. Okay. Okay. So everybody needs to do the same thing. Okay. That's good, good stuff All to know. All children need affirmation, acceptance, and affection. That will, in oh. fact, I don't think we ever got to... Uh, <laughs> the so last the one. We'll okay. We'll, we'll do the last <laughs> two. We'll, we'll, okay. We'll do the last uh, ones right after this last break. And then I want to get into uh, the work you're doing with the Prison Entrepreneurship Program and the Five Ventures. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. I'm having a good time today talking with Keith, author of How to Be a Great Dad, No Matter What Kind of Father You Had. And we need to finish talking about the other two um, core pr- uh, practices, principles that you have for fathers, right? Right, Lana. We, we started talking about affirmation, and it was so such a good discussion. <laughs> we got off talking about Dr. King and affirming character, and it was wonderful. So yeah. The first, the first uh, core practice I teach dads is how to affirm verbally or through writing, affirming our kids, praising them, building their self-esteem, and picturing for them what is and can be true about them. The second skill is acceptance. Okay. Acceptance, unconditional and unending acceptance, and it speaks to that embrace of our children no matter what they do, how they fail, what they choose to value or believe or pursue, or with whom they associate. And yes, that includes their choice of friends, boyfriends, mm-hmm. girlfriends, and later even their marriage partners. Okay. That means accepting them, even if their beliefs or values differ from ours, or if they choose different political affiliations, or even perhaps sexual practices, you mm-hmm. name it. Unconditional and unending acceptance means accepting our children no matter what, even if we, and here's the key, even if we disagree with or disapprove of something they do, say, believe, or practice. And that is a tricky distinction, one that I think many dads fail to make to our own detriment and certainly to our children. Mm-hmm. We get we get mixed up. So here's what I mean. When we, moms may fall into this too, but I know this is something dads are susceptible to. When we disapprove of something our kids have done, said, believed, acted out, whatever it is, we disapprove. We don't make the distinction between disapproving of an action and rejecting the person. Got you. Got you. But that's how our kids receive it, and that's where all of these breakdowns in relationships, particularly in the teenage years, this is how it happens. Mm-hmm. So let me give you an example. My uh, One of my boys, I'll just leave it generic, one of my boys has a, a particular problem with not telling the truth. Okay? <laughs> so we won't name names. <laughs> yeah. And it's worse than the other two. And <laughs> okay. I, I caught him so obviously in a lie the other day. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, son, you know, when you lie to me, it breaks trust. Mm-hmm. And it's not okay. You know, I, I have trouble then trusting that what you say to me is true or believing you. It breaks our relationship. And I need you to know something. Listen to me very carefully. And I told him, I said, look into my eye. And I said, lying is not okay. Mm-hmm. But you are. Okay. 
I said, do you understand the difference? And he said, yes, Dad. And, that, and he said, thanks, Dad. So I that's said, kind of like, I will. not to cut you off, so that's kind of like a technique that I use, you know, especially with my daughter or people that are close to me all the time, um, and I'm in disagreement with how they're making me feel or what they're doing. I say, you know what, I love you, but right now I don't like who you are or what you're doing or something like that, something along that vein. Right. You know, I love you, but I don't like what you're doing right now. Yeah. And that's the key. I think, you know, if we add those words, I don't like who you are, that gets a little tricky because tricky, it's hard yes, to change yes. who we are. But if you if we can say to them, you know, I love you, mm-hmm. but I don't like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, that what you're doing is not okay, but you are. Yeah. There's the difference between accepting a person and disapproving of a behavior or a choice or, you know, anything. Good. You know? True. And so I'm, I will say to my kids, like, um, you know, every night that I'm with them, when I say goodnight to them, I try to express all three of these things that we're talking about, this affirmation, this acceptance, and then the next one we'll talk about affection. Mm-hmm. And I'll say to them, you know, I will love you forever, mm-hmm. no matter what, no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, my love for you, it will never go away. It will never change, no matter what comes between us, no matter what you do, no matter what you say. I may not like what you do. I may not like a choice you make. I may disapprove, but I will never, ever, ever stop loving you. You will always be my son. I will always be your dad. And see, kids can deal with that. And here's why. Psychologist child development teaches us that kids have a desperate need to belong. Mm-hmm. They have an absolute need to belong. And that's why as they get older, they get into their teenage years. It's one of the main reasons the peer group becomes so influential and powerful because they find acceptance there. Mm-hmm. And often in those teenage years, that's exactly when they're feeling rejected by their parents. Parents who are not making this distinction. They're not approving of their music choices, the way they want to weigh their hair, their clothes, you know. <laughs> and parents, rather than saying, you know, I do not like your choice of clothes, but I sure love you. <laughs> They're just saying, God, how could you go out of the house looking like that? <laughs> I know, right? Right? And so when our kids hear, this is not often what us as parents intend, but what our kids hear is, I don't like you. Uh-huh. I don't want you. And, I, and translated, you don't belong here. True. And so True. kids say, well, screw you. Mm-hmm. I'll go My friends like me. My friends. My yeah, friends my... love my music. Yeah. My friends love my clothes or my makeup or my piercing or my tattoos. Or... There you they, go. they love that stuff. <laughs> so forget you, Mom and, and Dad. I'm going to hang yeah, out with my and friends. It's exactly how the guys, <laughs> in particular, it's exactly how kids end up in gangs. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Because mm-hmm. that's where they find a place to belong when they don't have a family or they don't find belonging at home. They find belonging outside. Out on the streets. We, yeah. And we as parents don't want to admit that we have a huge role in that. Mm -hmm. That If we're forcing them out through our rejection and disapproval, then of Mm -hmm. course they're going to have to find a place to belong. But if I can create a place at home where they know they belong no matter what, then I've Mm -hmm. created a beautiful safe haven. I've protected my children from all sorts of things that they may not have to feel like they have to get into. (laughs) <laughs> I know we're running short on time, so I just want to get the last one in, Lana, okay. and that is affection. Okay. It's spoken and physical affection, expressions of love, tenderness, warmth, care. Affection can be demonstrated differently for boys and girls at times, particularly as they mature. But yeah. regardless, a dad's physical and spoken affection is critical to the yes. healthy development of children, particularly their sexuality. Okay. Their understanding of themselves as young men, and women as they reach puberty. A father's affection helps children know that they're loved and lovable as well as worthy of good, healthy, fulfilling relationships in the future. It determines what you will accept uh, in your your future relationships. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, real quickly, because like you said, we are running out of time, but I want to make sure that I talk about uh, this because it's so amazing. You are the fatherhood trainer for the uh, Prison Entrepreneurship Program and the Defy Ventures um, Program in New York. Um, One of them helps out the prison population and the other one helps out all types of men. Is that correct? 
Well, the five, it's actually, both organizations were founded by the same uh, woman, friend of mine, who founded PEP, Prison Entrepreneurship Program in Texas, and then after she left there, went to New York City and founded the Five Ventures. So it's actually a very, very similar program. The Prison Entrepreneurship Program operates inside of prison. Okay. The Five Ventures operates outside of prison. So they, they still serve uh, men and women with criminal histories, but they do it after they've been released from prison. Okay. So they're actually helping them start their entrepreneurial businesses in the free world, even with their criminal background. Oh, which is so important, I think, to fatherhood because, you know, one of the things that fathers have to do is provide. And a lot of times prisoners come out of prison with no viable means to earn an income, which can, you know, impact the parent, the father-child relationship. So I think the entrepreneurship program is very vital to that because sometimes prisoners can't go down and, and turn an application like some of us can and get a job because there's exactly. background checks and all of those things that hinder them. So I, th- I think that's that's a wonderful program. You know what, Keith? It's the end of my hour here, um, and I didn't get to talk about so much, and I'm so upset. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see here. You have, let me see if I can get some of this out. November 14th through the 16th in San Jose, you've got the Healing the Father Wound Conference, right? And yes. that is the dates are correct on that one? Yeah, yes, I believe so. Okay. So I want to make sure um, everybody, please visit the website because there was so much we did not cover today. The website is greatdadsproject.com. Keith, uh, thank you so dot much. Org. I had, I had dot a, a dot .org? Yes, not dot .com. It's the, the greatdadsproject.org, O-R-G. Oh, say it one more time for me so they have it. The greatdadsproject.org. Oh, okay. Please go visit and that. He's got a lot. For upcoming events. I've got a free yeah. webinar coming up in April, uh, a one-day workshop, and then the healing conference that you talked about in November. Cool stuff. Like I said, I, we did not get to cover so much, and he does so many things. There's so much information on his website. So please, please visit and uh, pick up the book. The book is available on the website and Amazon. Is that correct? Yes, it is. How to be a great dad, no matter what kind of father you had. Thank you. And Keith, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. It has been a true pleasure. Thank you. Okay. That's all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed.